Hey, welcome to the Nerd Out. I'm Lisa. I'm Ritz P. We're girls. We're here to nerd out with you right effing now on this episode 60. Yes. Welcome, everyone. You can reach us online at the Nerd Out on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You can email us info at thenerdout.com and you can find us on Instagram, the Nerd Out. Please believe it. Yep. Uh, so before we get started, well, actually we have a very special episode. Yes. We got some guests. First of the year. Yeah. First guests of the year. They're amazing. Yes. We loved them. And we will get to them in just a minute. But the first thing that I wanted to do, because I totally spaced on doing this last time, is, um, send a little shout out to the Fame Fatale listeners. Okay. As you know, the Fame Fatale, AKA Leslie. Leslie. Yes. Uh, who we love. I am occasionally on her show, which if you are into like Hollywood gossip from a like investigative reporting standpoint, then you should be all about her podcast because she's also hilariously funny. And when I was on her show, um, as the bone that she threw me was that I could ask her listeners what would be a good TV show for me to watch. Nice. And so I said, like, if you recommend some good stuff, I'll call you out. And I never did that because I suck. You suck. I'm a loser, but I'm going to make up for it now. Nice. So I want to give a big thank you to Steven for Constantine. Oh, sorry, Steven. That was canceled. Ooh. I wanted to give a big thank you to Tracy for Orphan Black and Luther, which I already know and watch. Yeah. But thank you, Tracy. Great minds think alike. Idris Elba, all the way. All day. Um, to Annie, who suggested Doctor Who, which, yeah, Annie, totes. <laughs> um, to Juan, one of our regular listeners. Hello, Juan Aguilar? Yes. He suggested Archer, which I have only seen one episode. And here's the thing, Juan. I don't really do comedies, and everyone... So I kind of yeah. watched it and I was like, meh, it's funny, but it doesn't make me laugh. If you, Ritzy, were to act out Archer right now in front of me, I would die laughing. Really? But it'd be, I don't know, I don't know them. It's funny <laughs> I want to know them. And then finally, the one sort of new interesting tip that I got was from uh, the lovely Christina, who suggested Defiance on the Sci-Fi channel, and she was like, it's actually really good. Oh, have you, you haven't checked it out yet. I have not checked it out, but that seems kind of like different off the beaten path. So Christina, I think you're a winner. Uh, All you are getting is name checked on a podcast. (laughs) Congrats! Congratulations! Yay! Uh, So thanks, you guys, and thanks, Leslie, a.k.a. The Fame Fatale, for giving me a soapbox. Um, God knows I love those. (laughs) So up next, we have an interview with um, not one, but two super special guests. And a couple, no less. And a couple, no less. Uh, We have Jeff Johnson, who is a comic book artist. Who has been on the scene for <laughs> 20 years. Yeah. Give yeah. Take, yeah. Give or take. Uh, and his lovely wife, Megan Crane. Fantastic. Who is a super cool chick and who, as soon as I found out about her, she is like a romance novelist. She's written a ton of books. We find out exactly how many on the yes. podcast. And um, just in sort of reading her bio, I was like, this is a super interesting woman. And I can't wait to hear what they both have to say. Um, about their careers and being artists together. So without further ado, we bring you Jeff and Megan. Here we go. We have two guests today. We have Jeff Johnson and Megan Crane. Uh, They very kindly offered to join us after I met Jeff out one drunken night at a local bar. (laughs) Thanks, Jeff. Um, So Megan, let's start with you. Um, as far as your, to give people a little background on you, I am sort of fascinated by your life and what you do. So let's say that you are um, an author 
a you have a doctoral dissertation on AIDS literature, which I need to learn more about what that means. Um, so we can also say, safely say that you're probably a very smart woman. Uh, you are a pet owner and a Los Angeles resident. All so, of those things are true. Yes. Yes. Um, so first of all, can you tell me what AIDS literature is? Well, it, it, it literally is literature about uh, the AIDS epidemic. So I, because I, had, I was doing a degree in English literature, um, I looked for books that were, well, I mean, I went into it knowing that I wanted to write about David Vonerovich and David Feinberg, who were two fantastic um, authors. Uh, David Feinberg was an author and David Vonerovich was this amazing multimedia sort of author slash artist mm-hmm. slash social commentator. I knew I wanted to write about them, and then I sort of found other people as well. Uh, Larry, uh, I'm going to forget his last name. His, his uh, I'm very tired, sorry. That's all right, there won't be a test on this. <laughs> Normal Heart was just on TV, Larry Kramer. Um, and that was, so his play, I, I studied that, and also Tony Kushner's Angels of America. Um, mm-hmm. it's sort of like rounding out the four, four major AIDS literatures, I guess. It was, uh, I can't say it was fun. But it was, I wouldn't trade having done it for anything else. It was pretty amazing. How did you get from there to writing novels? Well, you have to research doctoral dissertations, whereas when you write novels, you can just make them up. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was a lot easier than maintaining, you know, so many note cards with 50,000 footnotes on everything under the sun. So I'd always written novels for fun. I didn't actually realize you could do it as a career. Um, and so you're from New Jersey originally Mm -hmm. and you went to school at Vassar and at the university of York in England, and now you live in Los Angeles. So what's the deal with Montana and Cowboys? Uh, (laughs) Um, what's not the deal with Montana and Cowboys? (laughs) I'd open spaces and hot dudes. What's not to love, right? (laughs) There's no downside. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed that flight of fancy. Um, so what genre would you say you write? Romance. Romance. And, you know, I think that I actually have read um, my fair share of romance books, full disclosure. Um, and I think that it's kind of an interesting genre, especially, especially the past few years, because obviously it often gets dismissed as like, oh, it's fluff, that's for girls, and people don't take it very seriously. Um, but then the past few years, I guess you could easily call it the 50 shades effect, but I felt like maybe there was kind of a title change in that genre before that. Do you notice anything like that? Or do you think that, you know, the 50 shades phenomenon changed it at all or impacted the genre? I think what 50 shades did that was most interesting was introduce the idea of romance novels to people who would never consider them otherwise. So if your entire book club is reading this ridiculous book with whips and chains and you think, I, I would never do that, but your whole book club is, and you're someone who would never ever read one of those books, suddenly you're reading one of those books. <laughs> so whether you like Fifty Shades or don't like Fifty Shades, it's definitely got people reading kinds of books that they would never read before. And that only benefits, I think, romance uh, across the board, because people who liked that book wanted to find more books like it went out and tried to do that in a variety of different ways. And, you know, whatever you want to read, whatever kind of reader you are, there's a romance novel for you. Romance is such a vast and multifaceted genre that anything you want, anything you need, a romance novelist has probably already written the book and can provide it for you. 
Well, that also kind of makes me, I wanted to get your take on like, I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with romance just think that it's like, you know, maybe bodice rippers that are kind of historic or your sort of like standard harlequin romance that maybe your mom read. So if like, how do you think the genre has evolved now to kind of like what you said, there's a little bit, there's like a million different flavors of it now. It's not just historic or, um, you know, some kind of cheesy thing that's current. Well, the great thing about it is that it, it is all those things. And then it's all, what it is at its heart is pro-woman. If you think that women's lives are interesting and that the way that women think about the world and see the world and perceive the world is interesting. If you want to read stories in which women's lives are celebrated, that's what romance is. It's, it's feminist. It's smart. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what's more interesting than delving into the ways in which people try to come to grips with intimacy. You know, everyone, intimacy is hard. Intimacy is work. Intimacy is hard in friendships. I mean, lots of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I mean, don't put too fine a point on it. Marriage is so hard. <laughs> They're the hardest thing in the world, whether it's your friendships, you know, because there was chiclet, which really explored friendships more. You know, there is women's fiction, which can as much explore women's friendships with each other as it can any sort of, you know, romantic entanglements it's women in all their their glory and all their mess and all the thing just it's just people i honestly it's so funny that it's categorized in all these demeaning ways because i think it's i just think it's the most i just think it's the most wonderful stuff out there i really do that's awesome um do you envision yourself writing any other kinds of novels like or have you written novels that are outside of the genre? <laughs> People ask me that. Are you going to write real books, Megan? Yeah. When are you going to write something serious, Megan? <laughs> um, I would never say never. I would write anything, you know, if I if I felt like I had a story to tell. So I would never I would never say that I wouldn't write mm-hmm. one thing. Or but I, I tend to think in terms of romance novels, or I do presently anyway. Mm-hmm. There's no like latent war, Cold War spy novel lurking <laughs> inside of you. Well, would the would like the Russian spy fall in love with the American spy? Because then it might be in my wheelhouse. <laughs> um, okay, and then this is a random question that perhaps fellow romance novel readers will appreciate. Do you come up with the titles? Like, do authors come up with the titles? <laughs> sometimes yes, and sometimes no. How's that for a for okay. a? Uh, it depends. Uh, I write for Harlequin, and I. I gave up even trying. I just put like the hero and the heroine's name on the manuscript and send it in because they're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with market trends that I don't have any access to and frankly don't want to have any access to. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm fine with that. Um, some, some authors I know are very serious about the t- their titles and can't write their books until they know the title of the book. And so for authors, I they tend to choose the title and tend to stick with that title because it, because it tends to make sense then with the book that they have written. Mm-hmm. I think that in my career, I've written, I'm writing my 45th book right now. And Holy I think, cow. <laughs> yeah. I think I've kept two, maybe three titles. Yeah. Wow. And I don't care at all. Yeah. Same deal with the cover art? Yeah. <laughs> the cover art, yeah. You get an email and it says, here's a cover art. We are so excited. <laughs> um, 
Hope you are too. <laughs> maybe it's exciting and maybe it's not. Uh, Harlequin doesn't even consult you. They just you just they just send it out when it's done. Oh. Um, and I'm fine with that too. <laughs> sometimes sometimes more fine than at other times. Other times you're like, what were they thinking? I miss the old ones where they painted them. Yeah, I miss the old painted covers. Yes. Well, I was going to say it must be kind of funny for you, Jeff, when she gets the um, cover art and they're like, this is what we want. Do you ever think to yourself, like, I totally could have done something better? Well, I think there's a lot of times I would have liked to try painting a little more, uh, something more that's in the book. But mm-hmm. um, no, I mean, it's, they're, they're all great. It's, I just think it's funny sometimes when the photoshopping is clearly photoshopping. He did one of my covers. I'm not allowed to say which one. But he, uh, oh, inside. <laughs> There were some issues, and he just did it. <laughs> yeah. it's, Photoshop is it's a useful tool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as far as your writing process, since you've written 45 books, how long does it take you in general to write one? <laughs> well, that's like a deadline question. When is the deadline? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Where's that thing that we, we got that? Oh, okay. um, yeah, so I think that it's all about it's all about the... How long? I would like to have, say, three months. I never do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so way, way less than that. And so I try to figure it out. Because I never, you know, when you sort of plan your your deadline schedule, you never think about edits and, you know, that week where you have to lie around on the floor wishing you were dead. Yeah. You guys, <laughs> the creative process. Can you see it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where we live yeah. in the padding zone. That okay. is. Did you guys make that? No, no, no. We found it online. Do you remember where we found it? Oh, uh, that was on. Um, I just saw it. Reese. I posted. It was like a bunch of graphic design. Like it was under the graphic designers' life, but it's probably every creative's life. Like different things. Yeah. Uh, posters uh-huh. and stuff. And I saw the exact same one. <laughs> yeah, like, I need that. It's like the oatmeal, but it's not that guy. It's someone else. It's like cranky something or. Yeah. Yeah. That's the creative life in a nutshell. And that really is what it's like. We yeah. are procrastination experts. And it was yeah. great that we found each other because when he procrastinates, he cleans things. Mm. So, ah. I, mean, what? I, I don't. I don't. I do the same thing, too. I, ha- like, I, I feel like it helps my mind get clear if the surfaces are clean and clear for me. Well, yeah. Yeah. To put the pieces together of a story that are a jumble, it's easier to clean something around you. <laughs> yeah. Think about that while you're doing it. Yeah. It's like a control thing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you procrastinate, <laughs> yeah. Megan? I fall down rabbit holes on the internet that are completely <laughs> unnecessary. Like, I, you know, like Jared Leto. I could tell you everything there is to know. But <laughs> me back before my so-called life. Why? Because you just, just yeah. fall down. You went down. <laughs> later you're like I don't even know what the fuck I why am I even sitting here I'm gonna think man like uh, but I had a word quota to meet and then you have to somehow bang it out in like an hour and then you add why why did why can't I bang it out every hour yeah Yeah. somehow the rabbit the Jordan Leto the Jared Leto rabbit hole is necessary (laughs) it's part of your process yeah well it puts I think it puts fuel in the tank for the next thing or gives your brain something to do while you're finishing stories and problems and also, I think you have to hate yourself a little bit to uh, <laughs> to make it actually all work. Yeah, there's self-loathing gets the job yeah. done. If you're not wearing <laughs> <I'm dressed. laughs> That's awesome. awesome. Um, so, Jeff, um, 
I was unable to find such incriminating information on you, such as um, where you went to school or any of those gory details. So do you want to give us a uh, sort of your background in a nutshell? Uh, well, I drew as a kid. And um, in high school, I had a, a weekly comic strip that I did in a friend of, with a friend of mine in a local newspaper. And then after that, I joined the Army. And then after that, I came back and uh, was able to break into Marvel. Doing Wonder Man was my first book. And what year been, was that? Uh, that was 91. Okay. Was it like the 80s? Yeah, no, no. I think I was out of the 80s when I finally broke in. Yeah, 90 or 91. Uh Uh-huh. And then as as far as the trajectory since, it seems like um, if, and I don't know the comic book world super well, so maybe you can also break that down for me, but it seems like you sort of get attached to a particular... um, a particular story or a particular hero or whatever the arc is. And you kind of last for a while with that. And then you sort of like dip out and then come back in with another project and you kind of work with that for a while. Is that how it usually works? It used to be way back in the, uh, the eighties and the nineties, it was much more, you were on a book for, I was on Wonder Man for a couple of years. And so that tended to, you tended to be on a book for a substantial amount of time. And then you would go from one book to another and just have sort of a, uh, a stable of characters that you worked on. But I was lucky enough to do my stint on Wonder Man and I bounced around from Marvel to DC to Image to Dark Horse and just sort of played in all those universes for a while. I know that breaking into, um, you know, like sort of making the leap from artist to Marvel artist is a real challenge and it's super competitive. So what, apart from being an amazing artist, like what do you think that you brought to that that helped you to make that transition from sort of aspiring to in the stable? I think there's, there really has to just be no other option for you. If you have (laughs) anything else that you can do, you'll probably do it since it took me a good three years to break into comics after people were telling me that I was ready to do Marvel Comics. So I would go to all the shows, uh, all the cons, and I would meet various editors and artists and get critiques and get advice. And um, I met Fabian Isiesa at Marvel when he was a marketing guy before he became a writer. And uh, he was a great guy and he was very helpful. And so he would send me scripts and give me pointers and pass my stuff around. Um, But it just takes perseverance yeah, there just has to be no other option. Well, I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> Is that our flipping burgers? I did actually, before I broke in, I was a fry cook at a, a place called Nations in Northern California. I think you have to love it more than you love anything else. Yeah, you have to be willing to do jobs that are unpleasant. Like I was a sign painter. I worked at a bank. Um, I was, worked at a movie theater as an usher for a little while while you're just trying to make ends meet. Yeah, just, but always had my mind on the prize. Uh-huh. Um, and one of the things that we talked about when I met you, and one of the things that I thought was so interesting is that uh, a property or a, a, a superhero that you have been working with is Supergirl. Oh, yeah. And so can you tell us about that? Like, how how long were you working on it? How did that end up happening? And then I'm going to ask you a million questions that you probably get asked all the time about drawing female characters. Okay. 
Um, Supergirl was sort of a, a, an accident. Um, my friend Tony Bedard was writing it, and their regular artist had a, a deadline scheduling snafu, and he called me up and asked me if I wanted to take over an issue. I think it was issue 33. And um, it, was, uh, it was fun, so I just squeezed that in while I was doing some other stuff, and, and uh, that's about it. Awesome. That's about it. Super, yeah. I've only done her, I've only done one issue with her. Mm-hmm. And is there? It seems like you know, kind of like it seems to me like the romance genre has changed a lot or has evolved a lot in the past few years. I kind of get the same feeling about women in comic books or female superheroes in comic books. I think that there are more women reading comic books now, so the the standards have opened up to a little bit more variation in the female form. It used to be pretty uh, every man, every woman, sort of the same type. Um, I did a How to Draw a Fight Scene book a while ago, and I did a bunch of um, different body types and showed how those different body types moved. And I think artists are better now about varying their stable. Mm-hmm. But I think so that's because there's more women reading and there's more women writing comics now, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually reminded me, uh, because we know about the drawing fight scenes. How do you draw a fight scene? Oh, uh, well, I did make... What are your di- tips? <laughs> um, I start the book by just doing some basic figure drawing and basics of fundamental comic book drawing. And then, uh, it's, it's knowing... Oh, our animals are freaking out. Um, <laughs> it's a basic fight scene is just learning how to plan... Want this to take to think of the fight as a physical conversation. So, huh. if someone's making a certain martial arts move or they're doing a certain attack or defense, that reveals a lot about them as a character. So, you just have to decide what that is, and the physical move will often present itself. The same thing is true of a sex scene. Oh, any tips for writing awesome sex scenes? Well, yeah, you're writing an action scene yeah. in emotional language. So you have to tell the you have to tell the the truth of the action in emotion, mm-hmm. and I think that in an action scene, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you're telling basically the truth of the emotion in the action. Yeah, you're you're showing who's in control, who has power, who is dominant, who is the hero, who's the villain, all that stuff by how they move. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's the same in sex, like yeah, who's it's the same. Yeah. It has to be revealing. It's a very lyrical way of looking at it. Yeah, look, it shouldn't be in the book. They have to tell. Like, if you if you could get the whole story without the sex scene, then there's no need to have the sex scene in the book. Yeah, the same is true for action. Like the Supergirl action, it was um, the whole time during that issue. I don't know if you read it or not. Um, I looked. She, at, I kind of looked through the images that I could see online. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, um, her whole purpose in that fight scene is to defend the innocent people who are about to get killed. So she has to 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 behave in a way that's protective and, uh, and her, the moves against the person that she's fighting have to keep that in mind. So you it's just, you have to choreograph it differently. I know. I never would have thought of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's a, a good fight scene. will you'll know who's doing what and why. A lot of times the fight scenes are not, they're just, they're, they're not that clever or they're not that thoughtful, which yeah. can be. So do you, because you, know the intricacies of drawing a illustrating a fight scene 
what happens when you see one in an action movie? Are you like, oh, no, that sucks. I wouldn't have done that. I could have done this. Depends on, it depends yeah. on the end. <laughs> um, we're getting nod over here. We're getting nod over here. Yeah. <laughs> something like uh, a classic Jackie Chan film, every move means something. Every shot is, is a dedicated purpose. It's telling you something about the next move coming up, where the attack's coming from, what elements are going to be used. But then something like, say, Quantum of Solace, it's all about just a frenetic jumble of images that make you feel unsure of what's happening next and feel as though you're in a conflict. So I, in the, my book, I talk, that, talk about that as being a technical fight or um, an emotional fight. So one, what, you, what you are seeing or what you're feeling depends on what's drawn. That makes sense. And then do you feel the same way about sex scenes in movies? Yeah, because, you know, the, the sex scene in the movie, I mean, the thing is that cutting isn't necessarily a bad thing in a sex scene. Because, like, real sex, we've all seen enough real sex, even if it's that, like, HBO show to know that you don't, you don't actually want to see real sex. <laughs> I've been a part of that. I have, I have experienced that. <laughs> like, oh. You're like, I, didn't oh. Need, I didn't need to see that. <laughs> but, uh, so I think that when you're writing it, it's the same as a movie where you're trying to I mean, there are no there are no wasted moves. Um, people who have an, an emotional connection tend to see each other in uh, perhaps overly heroic terms. I mean, if you're falling in love with someone, you think they're the hottest thing in the whole world, right? So that's what you see. And then if you have insane chemistry with them, then that's what you experience and what it looks like to someone else. So I think movies do actually do a pretty good job, generally speaking, of, of doing that with like a banging soundtrack, too. So, swept away by the music. Like this is so hot. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's. <laughs> Maybe it's. The um, and then, are there special like challenges or intricacies of having two artists sort of working and living under the same roof? Like, I imagine you probably do a lot of your work from home. So, is does it turn into like? I don't know. It seems like it would be. I work from home quite a bit, from home as well. and she works from home quite a bit. I don't know how I would do having somebody else who is also an artist under the same roof. I think that we do. Our arts are different enough that we don't get in each other's way in that regard. But I think it's great. I think that uh, I can't imagine anyone else being more understanding about the deadline pressure, the the distant mental places that you go when you're trying to figure things out. A lot of yeah, exactly. Um, it's totally about my work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's research. <laughs> Understanding it of it in a way that a non-artist might not be. Yeah, I think I, well, we often hear stories about people who are given a hard time by their significant other for I don't know being on deadline and being unavailable for that period of time. Yeah. I don't really feel like that happens. No, that doesn't really ever happen. I think it'd be I think it'd be hard to be with someone who did the exact same thing. Where you can be like, how many words did you write today, mm-hmm. Jeff? That'd be terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> um, no, I think it's good. Yeah, We're think- lucky. We're pretty. I, I think that we we we've ended up figuring out how to work. Yeah. with each other pretty well. Like I think you spe- know when you're in different zones. Like maybe your deadlines are different. So maybe you're like, don't bother me right now. And she knows by looking at you and what. Oh, you're starting to clean. Oh, he's in the zone. Leave him alone. <laughs> That's a dead giveaway. I mean, it's totally. Snappier or snider. <laughs> but like, yeah, pretty much. But also, when one of us is in that crazy deadline zone, the other one can be there to sort of bring a sandwich or. Yeah, no, definitely. 
the chores. I think we, we switch back and forth pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Do it's you, better when they're, when they're not all at the same time, when we have a deadline yeah, at the same time. Yeah, co-deadlines is a nightmare. So. <laughs> yeah, the pets are picking up the, the slack. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what they don't pick up much. No. Cats are pretty awful. <laughs> um, and then finally, have you guys ever collaborated on anything? Oh, that's a good one. We've done, um, we pitched a comic book a while ago and, and we sold it uh, to IDW, but then we both got super busy. No, no, the economy then tanked. Oh, yeah. So we had to <laughs> oh, and that happened. IW didn't have the funds to pay us, and so um, that wound up not happening. But we have lots of stuff in the works. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love this energy because, <laughs> I mean, people are not going to really get to see the video, unfortunately. But, I mean, if you could – I had took some snapshots while we've been doing this. I just – I feel this collaborative, like, really good energy from you guys. So – I'm excited. You have to let us know. Give us oh, some I'm exclusives. <laughs> totally. Uh, totally. Sure. Definitely. Well, thank you so thank much you. for taking the time to talk to us. It's so interesting. I was, yeah. as soon as I met Jeff and I was like, he's great. And then I found out about you, Megan. I was like, oh my gosh, like what an interesting couple. I have to, we have to be able to have them on the show. So you I appreciate you making the time. Yeah. You guys are both rad and super excited to get into what you guys are both doing and that collabo. We're waiting. Oh, yeah. Well, as soon as we have something, we'll send you guys. <laughs> yeah. Might yeah. be soon. Yeah. Sooner than, rather than later, we hope. Yeah. All right. And, and I'll let you guys know if I'm ever going to Molly's. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brett should bartend more often. That was a fun night. That was a fun night. <laughs> How rad were they? Yeah. They were so rad. I we could not have been more effusive. We were totally fangirling out on them a little bit. <laughs> yes. But I was like, um, I want to be like, I want to be a cat in their house. I bet they just have like a rad house. And like, we'll put some pictures online. But they were in their office or somebody's office, and there's like books, and it just looked like cozy and awesome, and they had such good energy. The vibe, yeah, just really was there. So yeah. thank you so much again. Um, so let's jump into our thanks, events mm -hmm. and thanks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. So I don't know if you guys heard about... I think everyone kind of heard about right? this. It started this dude in, I believe it was Australia. Okay. He started Ship Your Enemies Glitter, right? <laughs> Which is a rad concept. So like someone you hate, you give them your, their address, they ship like, I think it's an envelope or some type of package. Yeah, so when envelope. they rip it open, it's like, they get glitter bombed all over the place. So I don't know, I was like, I was just, you know, doing my nightly reading of shit, and um, I saw on, like, the tech page that he sold his, he started it, and then two weeks later, he was like, I kind of just did it as a joke, mm -hmm. you know, And but you could actually buy it, but he was like, just for jokes, shits and giggles. Mm -hmm. He's like, but then it got overwhelming, like, at 10,000 um, people that paid for this service, and he was like, uh, there's no way I can do this shit. And um, so he put it, I forget the name, and we'll have a link to the article, but there, I guess there's a site where if you start up, do a startup, you can put it up there for sale. Mm -hmm. um, he started it two weeks prior to that. Um, he sold it for $85,000. That's out of control. <laughs> right? And, like, I was sitting here thinking while you're telling me, like, this is, this is the difference between someone like me and someone like him. I would never have this genius idea. <laughs> but if I did have this genius idea and I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? I have 10,000 orders. I would be like, awesome. Then I'm going to start charging more and I'm going to hire a bunch of like people that I pick up at the Home Depot to start fulfilling it. <laughs> yeah, I don't... 
Who who knew? But hey, you know what? I would also take the eighty five thousand dollars. Like in a minute, a in a heartbeat, and I guess the I forget who the company was that bought it, and they're like, yeah, we're just gonna start uh, fulfilling all Ship the your orders. Glitter. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was like for ten bucks too, like yeah. equivalent of like ten bucks. Yeah, you do this, genius, made money. Yeah, I mean, never know, kids. Yeah, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> What about movies? Movies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, this is uh, not a movie that I saw, but it was an interesting article about called Why the Age of the Kids' Adventure Movie is Over. First of all, what, does, what do we mean by kids' adventure movie? Goonies, mm-hmm. um, E.T., stuff of that. The shit that we grew up in. You know, people of the same age bracket here. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 80s kids. And it was just interesting uh, article to read because they're like, that That doesn't fascinate kids now because they have access to the world, whether they go outside or not. And also, they're also, we're so sheltered with their, like, protective of our kids. So we don't let them roam around to do shit that we, like, back in the days, That dude, is so interesting. That, right? And it hit me and I was like, as a new parent, two years in, I'm like, I don't want to be a helicopter mom. Like, I, you know, the shit that I got into, some of the best times of being neglected as a child totally. and left to my own. I, my creativity is crazy because I didn't have all the toys that all my spoiled uh, friends that ended up really not being friends mm-hmm. had and stuff. Because I was out and, sh- out and about in the streets. Like, me and my relative, Naisha, we always talk about, like, man, we survived what could have been some fucked up times because of how much we were in the streets, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I really feel that that shit could have happened. So they're saying like the kids, they don't, there's no, there's no wonderment of like, what, what, what if like, you know, they're kind of like, yeah. oh, I don't get to do that. Like that would have happened. Or you know what? I, they don't believe in magic as much be- as they used to. And like it, maybe in the, when they're younger, and then it stops. Well, no, I mean, even then, there's, now that you mention it, there's really no such thing or very little such thing as make-believe. Yeah. Because, so your parents put a iPad <laughs> or their phone into your hand to shut you up because they're trying to, like, have a life. Yeah. And they're trying to Instagram. Yeah. But, <laughs> exactly. And, you know... I don't know what the... I think that the real difference is, is that, like, my mom... I'm sorry, my cat. It's okay. Um, I got cat booty in my face. <laughs> my, uh... This is what happens when we record at my house. <laughs> uh, it's a cat party. Um, it's a pussy party. <laughs> it's a total pussy party. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, so I think that, like, my mom was just busy having a life. Trying and, to survive and shit. Yeah, and was like, get the fuck out of here and go entertain yourself. Yeah. And so, like, she didn't... I wonder... You can hear my cat purring. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she would be like, you know, it wasn't like, give me a phone. It would be like, go outside and, you know, play in the dirt. Yeah, here's two sticks. Yeah, go entertain yourself yeah. for an hour. So your your imagination went wild, like and mm-hmm. and you you I remember as a as a kid, like my I was an only child for a long time, and my neighbors were these two dudes. I was a tomboy, and we'd always like pretend that we're on these crazy adventures far away. We would maybe only be a couple of blocks away, mm-hmm. but that was pretty far. You know what I mean? To sure. be by ourselves and at that unsupervised. age, unsupervised, unsupervised. Yeah. Remember, like recently. That mom didn't she get yeah, like arrested? She got in trouble for letting because, her kid like walk to the playground, like or something. Be, play at the playground. I think that I think her kid was nine or something playing at the playground unsupervised. Like, 
we did that shit all day long all day for long. mad years. And yeah. So this article is very, very interesting. And, it, and it's kind of sad because I think, you know, especially like with a, a good friend, with her nieces and nephews, they're like 13 and 10. They watch these movies because she's like forcing them, like, watch these movies. These movies are rad. And they are like, and they think they're rad, but they wouldn't ever have had access to them of something current. You know, they try to remake them, but they try to make them too current where it loses that magical effect. There was like Super 8, but Super 8 took place in like the 80s. Duh. See, you got to go back. You got to yeah. take it back. So, yeah, so anyways, I don't know. Uh, That's interesting. I want to read that. Yeah, it's a, it's a short little um, article. And if you guys have any um, opinions on that, like, do you think, like, do they gotta, how do they revamp it to make it a mo- kids' and movie adventure now for, for, for the, you know, mm-hmm. for 2015 or next year? Like, what, what, would, what would it need to be? Or is it really just over? It would be like little, um, little Caitlin or little, what are the name? what are like all of the annoying names that they, <laughs> they, the kids have these days. Sorry if your kid's name is Caitlin. Um, little Eva and her adventures with her iPad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but anyways, in other movie news, this is big one. I know you were really excited about that. Super excited. We always talk about reboots on, on the show and how we hate them and it, it's pretty much sucks. But with the ghost, which we is beloved movie, the Ghostbusters, yeah. you know, I've heard talks about it and how like Bill Murray wasn't signing on, but everyone else did. And okay, that's cool. But it's probably still going to be cheesy. Yeah. But then I saw this. Because all- Dan Aykroyd will attend the opening of an envelope. Yes. Um, we know this. We know this. <laughs> House of Blues. House of Blues, yeah. Um, but the all-female cast reboot of I, Ghostbusters. That could be, be fun. Yeah, and it's my new favorite who I want to be my best friend. Unfortunately, she's in New York because of SNL. Leslie motherfucking Jones. Is she on... Oh, she's on it. Yeah, she's not there because of SNL. She's there because she's actually on it as well. Yeah, because she's on I it. I haven't watched the new uh, the new SNL since, she, like, the fall. She is fantastic. And I love her because she's been in the game forever, right? And she's, like, this big... She's tall, big black woman. And she's just raw. Like, I'm surprised they even have her on there. And the shit that she says while she's on there, it's raw as fuck. Really? And I love it. And she's Leslie Jones. And she's fucking 47, kids. Oh. 47 and everyone's co-signer she was just in I just saw uh, top 5 Chris Rock's top 5 oh, she was amazing like she only had a couple of parts and I was like oh my god I text I tweeted like oh my god I just finally saw it Leslie Jones for you be best friends um, she's she's fantastic and another SNL um, uh, cast current cast member ah, I forget her name right now but she does she's like the first openly gay um snl cast member um kate mckinnon okay she does the she is fantastic in anything she does character wise she does great impressions Mm -hmm. but her best impression is spot on is when she does justin bieber (laughs) (laughs) you have to see it it is fantastic rounding out the cast is Kristen wig come on totally gold and my other favorite melissa mccarthy yeah that's a salt, and I, I put on when I tweeted about it. It's some of my favorite comics, period. Not female comics, like mm-hmm. funniest fucking people right now, mm-hmm. and they're all together. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited, and then I posted it, and you know, got some comments like, "Really?" from some dudes, like, "Really?" like it's all female, and 
Yeah, dude. All female. Yeah. <laughs> what about it? Wake up. <laughs> so, yeah. Let us know what you think. I'm pretty excited about what's happening with Ghostbusters. I think you can't go wrong. Okay. Here's where you might go wrong. This could be good or this could be bad. I guess it's no in between. Um, yes. Not Ghostbusters. I mean, Ghostbusters could be good or bad. Uh-oh. But the one that I'm about to talk about, Uh-oh. that would be Jason Uh-oh. Momoa in yes, Aquaman. Yes, yes, yes. I don't care if it's good or bad. I'm watching <laughs> that shit. Take my money now. <laughs> How is that suit going to look? Can we see the fucking full package? Can we see him get in the suit? <laughs> yeah. He's really pretty. Oh my god. I love him. And he's you a... want to know what else is really cute? Yeah. He was a marine biology major. Oh my goodness. Fucking gracious. Yeah. I follow that fool on Instagram. I don't find him very interesting because he's just so in love with, like, Lisa Bonet. But he doesn't really post anything about her. It's always, like, people in his movies and a little bit, like, you don't really... He's kind of like me, where you don't really see his kids, but you kind of see them do things. Mm -hmm. And they're... I don't know. He just... And he's always, like, love and respect for people that he grew up with. And he's like, this is my such and such, and this is my such and such, and this is... She's amazing, and this, you know... And only once in a blue moon is is Lisa ever up there. But you know that it's like she hasn't fucking whipped. Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Like nobody. So true. Should do it. Magic Magic vagina. I was gonna say she got that 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 magic uh, poutine. Um, (laughs) Is he is he on your hall pass list? No, I don't. We I don't know. We never talked about like hall pass because I guess. He's not, because of what he does, there might be access to some of these people that are on my, uh-huh. especially the kind of people that I'm uh-huh. talking about. So <laughs> Yeah. That's just a conversation not to have. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, really? Because I'm about to see him tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll let you, him know. Oh, because he's in the show with you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nothing I'm like going to let him know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um, so Jason Momoa as Aquaman, he denied it, denied it. It was like in sort of conversation, whatever. And he's been like, mm, like awkwardly <laughs> changing the subject. So he was just at Sundance and I guess they like leash, they, um, what is it? They, uh, they lightened the leash a little bit on him, mm-hmm. but the real secret weapon was that um, this, like, 70-year-old woman got up and asked him a question, was like, is it true that you're going to be Aquaman? And apparently, like, he was really flustered and, like, sweet and was like, um, um, oh, (laughs) ma'am. And was sort of like, oh, no, nice, like, 70-year-old granny. So he here was his response. I mean, just going off what you've seen so far, ma'am, I don't think he's, oh, because she was like, what's he going to look like? So she, he says, I mean, just going off what you've seen so far, ma'am, I don't think he's going to be blonde or white, Momoa replied. I can't really tell you because I haven't shot it yet. I hate to disappoint, but, um, you know, I'm a little different than what those others. I just hope you watch it with an open heart. I went to school for marine biology. It's an honor to play this. And um, apparently, like, apparently everyone was, like, applauding, and it was really cute, because he's not supposed to talk about him as a cute old lady. Um, and then, um, apparently, they're also going to have, like, Hawaiian gods that are part of the, the Aquaman story. Fantastic. Look, dude, you know what? Show them in the loin, like, oh my it can god. Be, it can be, like, the yellow pages or Holy the gods shit. that are involved with it. That's cool. Oh my god. Just bring it. Can I just say that? Thinking of that type of shit right now, tidal waves. (laughs) 
Tattoos between the legs. Just keeping it, just keeping it in the water theme. Wozers. Do you think that he can control that? Oh, I think shit. he is right now. Wozers. Um. Yeah. So Jason Momoa is Aquaman coming to a theater near near you in like three years or however long it takes to make. Those I'm ready. Movies. I'm ready now. Um, and then TV, uh, this coming up weekend, um, is the Grammys, which is always a big deal for, well, quote unquote big deal for, uh, Ritzy and I, because, yeah. or a lot of people in Los Angeles and I suppose around the country because we worked in the music business for a long time. Yeah. And I have friends who are coming to town that I'll be spending some time with this week that I don't get to see very often. Nice. Um, and then the telecast is this coming up weekend. Yeah. Oh. Another, another more cat visit pussy return <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I don't know you know if everyone's excited I just I mean I don't know I can take or leave the Grammys but I'm always interested in the performances yeah. any tributes or honoring of you know legends and you know because for me as a huge music fan it's always like can you perform live mm-hmm. you know and so I'm always excited to see what comes up on that. Oh, we're not ready yet. We're Whoa. not ready yet. Okay. Sorry. Excuse me. A little premature. That's like, that's like the umbrella pulling us <laughs> off the stage. That's like the music. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see to see what happens. Um, I don't even know who's performing, but it's always fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Get some good food. Yeah. Guys drinking right now. A little champers. A yeah. little wine. Something. Yeah. Um, so Marco Polo. Yeah, I've been watching Marco Polo, which is kind of interesting on, it's the Netflix series. Uh, it was Netflix's big, like super big budget, historic drama. Yeah, did you say it was like a hundred like a, million? Yeah, like a hundred million, like some really <laughs> ridiculous number. amount of money they spent on it. And it's really interesting. Um, it's, it's Marco Polo in the court of Kublai Khan. And, um, it's like intrigue and sex and murder and backstabbing and all kinds of, um, all kinds of interesting stuff. And, you know, I don't know how historically accurate it is, but. And, and let me see, uh, T.I., you like that type of stuff? Backstabbing and stuff? Yeah. (laughs) What? Sorry, 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 yeah, like, Asian actors, I, you know, couldn't tell you if, it, you know, people are always like, oh, well, that person's not Chinese, they're actually whatever, like, I didn't eight. follow any of that, yeah. I don't know how it, how it shakes out. Okay. But, um, some, like, good-looking people, okay. some, like, intrigue, some great characters, and acting, and it's really fun. The first episode, kind of a snooze fest. Uh-huh. The second episode, yeah, slightly more interesting. And then it is definitely like three. ratcheted you gotta get up. Three. Yeah, you have like some evil like Chinese dude breaking his niece's feet in order to like get her feet bound, and basically being a terrible person. So 
It's, you know, it's good. It's violent. It's disturbing. It's all of those so things. So you're in. Like, are you like, oh my God, I need to see the next episode? Or are you like, oh, I got some free time. Let me catch up on Marco Polo. Kind of that. It's not okay. a like, OMG, OMG. But the, what I'm really excited about is The Fall, which I have raved about. Yes. Um, is going to be, the new season just came on Netflix. Oh, you're binging that shit. Yeah, I haven't started yet. I'm real excited. <laughs> real excited for that. And it has um, Jamie Dorm, Dornan, uh, Chris, um, a.k.a. Christian Grey, see. from Fifty Shades of Grey. So um, you can see him in a role in a more explicit, like, perverted, um, oh, he's abusive person <laughs> in the fall. Oh, yes. Um, yes not yes. painted as a romantic hero there. Um, so TV books... Um, in the world of Game of Thrones, some, some sad and yet not unexpected news. The Winds of Winter, which is the, um, next George R.R. R. Martin book in the Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire series, will not be out in 2015, says his publisher. That's what I, I said. Yeah, myself. breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> um, because... If George Martin can be doing anything other than writing, apparently that's what he's all about doing. Really? What yeah. is he doing? He's, oh, it's like he's curating anthologies. He's going <laughs> to cons. He's, like, doing readings. I'm like, shut the fuck up and go write. <laughs> I'm so over it. I'm going to die before I find out what happens. Oh, no, that's your biggest fear. I know. <sighs> but this next, um, this next season on Game of Thrones... By the end of it, they will have content that has not been in the books. So everyone will be watching it for the first time. I am not super excited about that. You don't like that? Nope. You don't like the sneak up? Nope. I want to know. It's like, uh, it's like, I don't know. It just kind of ruins a surprise. It's like a reverse spoiler alert. (laughs) Um, so yeah. Sad days. But, oh, you know what was super fun that I did is I went to, um... I went, they, for those of you out there in the world, you may know that they are doing a special IMAX theater run of the last two episodes of Game of Thrones of the last season, plus the extended trailer on the big screen. Um, The extended trailer, as someone who has read the books, granted it's been a little while, but I was, I turned to the people I was with afterwards and I was like, I don't know what happens. Like, what was that? <laughs> I don't even know who those people are. There, like, there were a few glimpses of people I'm like, oh yeah, but then other stuff I'm like, I clearly have forgotten this entirely. So I guess I'm going to have to reread it. Um, but seeing the episodes on the big screen, especially um, the battle for Castle Black, the big battle at the wall, so amazing. Ooh. Totally ruined me for home television. Oh, I saw that too. Hashtag size matters. Size matters. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, that was good. Game of Thrones. Not back for like another two and a half months. Yeah, right? Right now it's pretty dead except that, well, speaking of, The Walking Dead comes back in a week. And that's all I need in my life, kids. That's all I need. Same night as the Grammys. It's fine. Yeah. I record one. Yeah. I watch the other one. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, my cat, for some reason, is like obsessed with Ritzy, and she's not a huge cat person. I think that's why he's obsessed with yeah, you. Yeah, like, oh, she doesn't like me. She's yeah, allergic. Go she's allergic. Um, and then the final thing, it's been a while since we have checked in with Check the Tech. Check the Tech. Check the Tech. <laughs> and there's this really cool thing called a Tempo Drop. I'm going to put a link to it. 
It looks like a teardrop. Oh, yeah, it's glass. Yeah. And it has like water or smoke or something inside of it. <laughs> and it's a, st- it's a modern version of a storm glass, a type of weather forecasting device that responds to extreme changes in weather. So it's a glass container filled with liquid, liquids, liquid, liquids, <laughs> and it's a glass, glass container filled with liquor. Oops. Um, and you can sort of predict the weather depending on how it behaves. And I really wanted one. I was like, it's probably like the most boring place on earth to have it in Los Angeles because it's like it looks the same all the time. <laughs> but if I lived in a place that had real weather. I would get one of those. And right now you can get it on touchamodern.com. It's a $75 retail for $40. bucks. 39 dollars 99 kids. <laughs> it looks really awesome. Like, wait till you guys see this. It's um, so cool. And it looks like you can, like, dress up like a witch and be next to it with totally. the light. And be like, totally. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's pretty rad. Yeah. So. I like it. Now everyone knows what to get me for Christmas. What? <laughs> Uh, and that's really all I have. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to get that thing in. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not this time. <laughs> Gotta be organic. Can't force it. You can't force it. All right. Um, I'm excited. This is our first episode and won't be our last where we have some guests. We promised that 2015 was going to be the year of the guests. Yes. So. Two. Two and one, boo, shabuya up in your face. <laughs> right off the bat, kids. Um, and then we have... On your face, neck, and chest. All over us. A little bit on the belly, a little bit <laughs> on the belly. Um, <laughs> so we have a bunch of people that we've already reached out to. Mm-hmm. It's just about scheduling. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're super excited. Yeah. We got some good peeps. Yeah. Good pe- And uh, we're really trying to make sure we also have a lot of good ladies. And I feel like, you know, Megan... Megan, 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 hope we're not fucking up your name. Yeah, I really hope we're not um, fucking up your name. She totally brought it. Yeah, she brought it. She's rad. She set the bar mm-hmm. for what type of f- strong, amazing, creative, funny females we're going to have on this year. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and the, the men list, who love them. And the men who love them. And it's, the, and it's strong. It's strong. So, um, yeah, kids. I think we got it. Is that it? That's it. All right. Peace out, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>